Let's open with prayer today. Father, thank you so much for being in this place with us, Lord. We thank you that you're with us everywhere we go. Lord, outside of the church, in our places of business, Lord, in the, in the shopping centers and everywhere we go, you're with us and we thank you for it. And Father, I thank you that our hearts are ready to receive, our ears are open to what you would have for us, Lord. And, and Holy Spirit, just nudge us in the right direction. Lead us. Give us ideas. Give us inventions. Lord, we thank you for the abundance that you've got for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Before I introduce our guests uh, today, I just want to remind you, this is one of the uh, Abundant Life Scripture keys that, actually this is Miss Betty's. Look how marked up this is. Look at all the notes on the back. This is someone that is taking this seriously by the, by spiritually speaking. And so, not to toot Betty's horn, but, uh, but she goes through these uh, scriptures. So, like the first one, John 10, 10, Jesus came to give me life and that I have it abundantly. I receive it. And she wrote at the top here, to, this, these scriptures are to renew our minds for what is already ours. And so there's so many scriptures in the Bible that pertain to abundance, abundant life. That's what Jesus said He came for, that you'll have it life abundantly. And Ephesians tells us it's beyond anything you can ask or think. So, God is continuously challenging us. And Isaiah says that His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. He continuously challenges us to think bigger. To dream bigger and, uh, you know, to see if there's anything that he can't do. And you'll find that if you go on that path, you'll find yourself doing some things that, that you never dreamed that you do. Go places that you never dreamed you go. Meet people that you never dreamed that you would meet. Amen. So uh, I encourage you, you know, the, the last time we met, I think it was in June, right? Okay. Uh, before I forget, our next one is scheduled for December the, like it's around the first few days, December 4th or 5th, whatever that Sunday is, okay? And we're going to have a workshop of, uh, there's so many, this is what I was explaining to uh, Stuart and Diana today, or yesterday, or Thursday. They are running together. There are so many uh different backgrounds in here and people at different places. Some are saying, well, how do I start a business? Some are saying, well, I've got an idea. What do I do with it? Some already have started the business. How do I grow it? And so there's all kinds of different needs that are here. And so like last time when we met, what we did was lay a foundation for uh, you're going to need this no matter what. You're going to need to work hard. You're going to need to be a giver because that's the, that's the principles of the laws of the kingdom. And you're going to need to rely on the Holy Spirit. And so anything that anybody could get up and tell you would be something maybe that the Holy Spirit told them to do. And that may, may work for you and it may not. But the point is, is you take all these things and you go to God with it and say, what do you want me to do? You know, so anyway, uh, before they come up, Miss Diana's got a, a new book out. It's called The Daily Dose with Diana. And this is a uh, jump start to each morning with encouragement from God's Word. So it's daily devotions. We only have a limited amount here. So if you're interested in that, that is 
$14.99. Okay? So if you're interested in that, come up and grab one of these and after the service. All right. Well, just uh, Nikki said a lot, you know, good, good stuff about them. I don't want to repeat everything he said. So I want to say on a personal level that uh, this couple is a couple that caused us to think bigger, to, uh, you know, go to another level, not only in our business, but in our, in our spiritual walk. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to challenge you. And, and uh, they do have a true marketplace ministry. They pray with their employees. They, they have a, a place of business where they're, there's 25 or so employees. And they, they pray every morning. They, they get people saved over the phone while they're calling for business. So this is the kind of stuff that you're going to hear today that is uh, unusual to talk about where business is concerned. But that's the kind of business and ministry that God can do through you. So you take what they say and you say, well, God, if God can do it for them, then he can do it for me. Amen. So will you please give a warm welcome to Stuart and Diana Scotthorn. morning or good afternoon, whatever it is right now. Is it after? Yeah, it is afternoon, isn't it? Um, does anybody know what today is? Do you think that's a coincidence? Probably not, right? So I think just to start out, I'm just curious, how many in here are business owners? How many want to start a business? How many want to be a kingdom provider regardless what that looks like? Amen. That, that really is the question that matters. So here, here's something I want you to think about. From the very start of the Bible in Genesis. And before, since we did already have an introduction, I do want to say, look, I have a really beautiful bride. She's a lot smarter than I am. And you'll notice that as we go through this. But we're going to try to go back and forth. We may have some time for some additional questions at the end. If we don't, we'll try to handle whatever you guys have. Um, this is not something, a business marketplace ministry is not something that there's just one definition. I think you're going to find that everyone has their own interpretation. We're going to give you a chance to see what that looks like in our eyes, but more importantly, here's what I want to do. I want to stretch you. I want you to understand that you can do a whole lot more than you're doing right now, not because I want to prod and push you, but how much are we leaving on the table that are part of God's promises? Right. In Genesis 1, 26, it's interesting because it says that we were formed in God's image and we are supposed to subdue and have dominion over everything. So if we are supposed to subdue and have dominion over everything, number one, that means there had to be an enemy, because this is before Satan got in the garden, guys. Go look at your Bible. So he already was telling us, look, you're going to have to fight for this position. This is something that you need to understand as we go forward. 
This is what you've got to be able to do. We believe that happens in the marketplace. What would that look like if instead of Zuckerberg having Facebook or Bezos having Amazon, it happened to be the Deatons or, or anyone in this room that has that business? Why did it have to be them? What was that... I'm just telling you, according to God's principles between Genesis 1 and the end, which says, you, you know, we win. I don't know. Does everybody know we win? Yeah. Right? So there's 7,000 promises in between. So you know what? We get to decide how many of those we want and how much of those we want. I don't want to go through life, as it says in Psalm 23, that my cup runneth over. Because a lot of us Christians are putting our hand over our cup. God, I'm good. I'm good. Look. The reality is, this needs to be a conduit that constantly is pouring into the kingdom. Whether or not that's on business, whether or not that's on an individual side, we just want to give you our interpretation of what that is. And some of that I'm gonna, we're going to kind of go over a context, because I think it's really good. I always like looking at scripture the same way. Give me a context, what was going on, what does it mean? So sometimes that's background. I'm going to give you a little personal background. My wife is going to share some background in terms of where she came from. Because it doesn't matter how old, how young, how many times you think you've failed. You never, by the way, you never fail unless you what? Quit. That's right. That's the only time you fail. So we know that we win. We just need to hang on. And there's so much that's on the inside of us that we all need to go ahead and understand there's somebody on the other side of our obedience that needs that blessing. So my background, interestingly enough, I was born and raised in Montana, a very, very small town. I know everybody is like, oh, I saw Yellowstone, it's beautiful. Interestingly enough, that same filming was taken in my backyard. <laughs> now, it wasn't romantic as it seems to be in those pictures. It was a very tough lifestyle. Something that you didn't really understand unless you were there because there is no opportunity. I lived in a community of about a 50-mile radius of about 300 people. There's what? 50 a 50-mile radius. So you're looking at Dallas, Fort Worth, and having 300 people. So that doesn't look too good in terms of thinking you've got great business opportunities in that environment. How do you get out of there, right? Now, interestingly enough, as a child, I don't know, maybe that was already in me because I became at three years of age, a child that literally ran away from home. I ran away so many times that they had the chief of police, his name was Scully, I can't ever forget that, threatened to throw me in jail because he had to pick me off the streets so many different times where I was walking miles to get someplace, had no idea where I was going. Looking for, looking for some friend, <laughs> looking for some person. You know, Montana is known as the land where men are men, women are scarce, and sheep are plentious. Plentiful. Plenteous and plentiful. I was going to say something else, but I won't. Um, it is not something that you get to see a lot of people. So I think part of what I'm saying is we don't have to be in a position that we think we need to have every I dotted and every T across. What we have to believe in is that the same word in the Bible applies to us as it applies, and I want you guys to see it from our side because I'm going to give you a little bit of history the businesses that we have, the things that, that we were able to do, are not because of where we were or the things that were handed to me or what education we got. It truly is something that God anointed us with. And it was interesting that Justin this morning was speaking on anointing, and my wife and I went up and said, wait a minute, 
why are you doing this? You stole our message. (laughs) But it truly is. It is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that's speaking to all of us the same way. And it's on our hearts as well. So we were able, I was able to obviously work my way up. And one of the things that happened growing up, I was not, you know, in, in Jeremiah it says that basically man has a black heart anyway. We're all wicked. So left to our own devices, that's who we are. I had no problem as a child understanding that because that's the way that I grew up. And when I got married to Diana, one of the valuable things I had was this gold pocket watch. And along with it came this nice two-page letter from my grandfather. And she goes, that is incredible. And it was a really old, you know, 125-year-old time piece that was, you know, one of those railroad pocket watches. It was very precious to my grandfather who gave it to me because I had saved my brother's life, or so he thought. And what really happened was, is about the age of six, I convinced my younger brother that he was Batman and could fly, and he could jump off the balcony. I picked him up, took him back to my parents and said, oh my goodness, he's unconscious, what are we going to do? I never told my grandfather what really happened. Neither did my parents, neither did anybody. So my wife is going, you took the watch without ever telling him? Now why would I take it back? That letter is framed in our office. (laughs) And she's still, I can't believe you would do that. See that? But I'm telling you that only to say, look, what I learned from that man Almost all of my life, I did not come from any kind of family that had any religious background. We would go to church, but there was no relationship. Had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. There wasn't one thing that was going to incline me that direction. However, my grandfather came from three generations of bankers, and his father, during the Depression, had a run on the bank. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means that every single depositor in the bank came to collect the money that they had all at one time. Well, there wasn't enough money. My grandfather had a heart attack. My great-grandfather, I should say, had a heart attack. My grandfather worked three jobs for the next five years to pay every depositor back. Every time that I saw my grandfather, because it was seldom, but when I did, I would sit down and have to hear this story. He never came to any, any football game, any basketball game, any event. But if I sat down with him, he would let me know how important my name is and the integrity that goes with that name. You all have a name. Every one of us. And that integrity is something that has to come out. That integrity was something that I can say, look, through my career, I never compromised that. I was able to do things that nobody else thought I could do. I got out of Montana. That's a miracle in and of itself. (laughs) After I was able to get out of Montana, I can tell you I was able to at least find a job that was with a bank and learn some fundamental things. And I was excelling through a real estate portfolio and decided, look, I think I'm smart enough. I'll figure out how to do this. I don't think it had anything to do with me. I know it had everything to do with God, but somehow a door opened and I walked through it. But it was because of integrity that I made sure over the course of 20 years of doing business with partners, none of them ever lost a dime. I may have lost money, but I was doing business with people in Europe, in Canada, in the United States, insurance companies, none of them in terms of trying to raise money or do it. And it's different today, guys, because you have access to funds that I never did. I literally had to go find somebody. 
And those are the things that I can say, look, that was not me. I didn't know that then because it was the Holy Spirit that had put and imparted an anointing on me that I can see now that I didn't see then. And it wasn't that, okay, wait a minute, you know, how, how is that possible? Did you ask for it? Is that something that you really contemplated how you were going to go do something? I didn't. There wasn't a blueprint that God, I know some people say, look, God put this blueprint. He did not. But what I did do is I was faithful for every single day that was there. The one thing I think my wife and I share on, on the, the same issues is we were nobodies. We still look at ourselves, by the way, guys, as nobodies. I don't think we've arrived. Amen? I know that we've, we're starting too. This is the same place. We expect to go to another level and another level and another level. I know that that's what God is calling us to do. I don't want to sit by and watch all of these companies, whether or not it's Disney, Amazon, Facebook. I don't care which company we want to look at. Why is it that we don't have the fundamental issues of what a church needs to look like in those businesses, right? Why are we going to do that? We have to have people that believe. People whose heart wants to be turned towards God. And when I met my wife, I kept trying to explain some of these things to her the same way that I'm explaining to you. But I can also tell you that, you know, even though I took a break after I sold all my shopping centers and went to cemetery, cemetery whatever it is, uh, actually here in DFW, and I won't mention the name, but the Holy Spirit wasn't there, guys. That wasn't what they were trying to teach. I wanted to learn. I wanted to become more involved. I really felt a calling at that point when, when Justin was up there talking about, you know, Pastor Justin, excuse me, was talking, <laughs> forgive me, uh, was talking about that tugging. That's, that's that tugging. Is, it's not comfortable, guys. It's uncomfortable because you know you're getting pulled and pushed in a direction not necessarily that's going to be something you're going to look at and say, oh, that'll be easy. But what I did find when, you know, in, in the Bible, in Proverbs 31, it talks about a virtuous wife. And what I can tell you is I did find that valuable ruby that it then goes on to say, look, her husband can safely trust her and he will have no lack of gain. Can I tell you that's been the case for me? So I'm going to introduce you to the better half who has actually a whole lot more to say about how her background really was. And, and, but very similar, though, on the standpoint that, look, nobody would have guessed we'd be where we are. Can you hear? So we just wanted to give you a little bit just about our general background so everybody understands it doesn't really matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter if you have a business background. Um, unlike my husband who had a grandfather that was had an entrepreneurial spirit and knew about integrity, I didn't have any in my life at that point ever really with any type of vision. I was raised as a Catholic, so I had very limited vision, period, because I didn't know the Bible. 
right? And what does Hosea 4, 6 say? My people perish for lack of knowledge. And so for me, what happened is I went to, I went through high school. I graduated with honors. I did very well. I graduated 10th of my class. I had music scholarships available. I was instrumentally talented with music. And I decided, no, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to pursue modeling and I'm going to go into fashion. And so I went through a modeling college. And then shortly after I got pregnant before marriage. And then so suddenly here I am with a baby, 21 years old, trying to make it. And so at that point, my vision was provide, survive. That's what I was going to do. People who know me, who know if they could see our lifestyle and how we live and the, the blessing that God has put on our life, they wouldn't believe ever that I was in downtown Fort Worth at 2 a.m. in the morning rolling newspapers with a newspaper route because you do what you have to do. But in my case, the thing that I did have was I did have that spirit of excellence and I did have integrity. We did go to church every single week and so I understood discipline. I did know that, and that's really important with work, guys. Discipline. Doesn't matter. Discipline, consistency. You have to have those two things or it doesn't matter, and that's something I did have. So I went on, and I did what I could do, and in the course of all that, I've only really had, other than that, two jobs in my whole life, and so there's been discipline and consistency. While I was rolling papers, an ad in the paper came up for do y'all remember Richard Simmons, the, the guru? I worked for him for 10 years. And so I didn't, I wasn't skilled to do it. I didn't have the certification to do it. I had, was on the gymnastic team. I was a competitive gymnast. I thought I can hoop and holler and do something, and I did. Here's the thing. The gifts that we have, the gifts that you guys have, they're already in there. God's already equipped you with it. Right? Isn't that what Jeremiah 1 says? Is it 5-1 or 1-5? That before you were formed in your womb, he already knew you. He already equipped you. So God already knew what I was going to do. He already knows what you're going to do. Whether or not we make the right decisions at the right time doesn't change God's plan. Period. So the gifts are without recall. They were already there. And so as I was there... I was an influencer in the classes, and my classes became the most well-known classes. I had the most people in there. Didn't know I was already doing what God had called me to do. At the end of classes and cool down, I would begin to minister life to him. You could do this. You're so good. Look how, much you're, look how good you look. Look how much weight you've lost. Keep on doing this. That's encouragement. That's edification, right? They noticed my classes were filled. The next thing, and I'm saying this for a reason, because... If you just do what you're supposed to do and do it to the best of your ability and do it with the spirit of excellence, God will open the doors and bring you before the men and women you need to be before in order to go to that next step. That's scriptural. God will bring you before great men and women and open doors nobody can open, right? And so a supervisor came in and he was like, you know, I noticed your classes are so full. You must have a real motivating influence. Have you ever thought about going into sales? No, I've never thought about going into sales. I was just thinking about getting diapers for my baby, really. That was the extent. I don't think I could do that. He said, I think you can. So long story short, promoted me to sales. Next thing you know, he's like, you're out producing your manager. Have you ever thought about going into being management? No, I can't do that. The next step is, there I am. So I'm in my 20s. I've got about 65 people underneath me, and I'm learning it as I grow. I did that for 10 years until that tug and Pastor Justin was talking about, there had to be something more out there. Part of it, 
when there's a season in your life and you're going to move in business or any time of your life, a tugging can come for different reasons. In my reason, the club was bought out. There were uh, non-Christian owners who came in. We couldn't know that they demanded we were working on Sundays. That went against the grain of my integrity. So fast forward, I ended up in what I'm doing right now, which is insurance. Now let me just say this. Where you think you might be might surprise you. Because I left a glamorous field, the health club business, you know, something where people would aspire to be like you, you're in shape, to my image of what I went into was, now we're talking insurance way back 30 years ago, I pictured a big old fat man with a briefcase and a cigar in his mouth like an IRS man or something. It did not sound at all appealing. But that's where I ended up. So I did that for 16 years, and then the tugging came again, and I formed the Benefit Link prior to my brilliant entrepreneurial husband, myself, without really knowing what I was doing. The good news is, God does. Again, I cannot tell you enough that when you have a spirit of integrity, when you have a spirit of excellence, when you have a spirit of consistency, I always said the Lord just looked down and go, poor girl, I got to help her out. She doesn't know what she's doing. He will show up and he will connect you with the people that you need to be connected with at the right time, those divine connections. So I formed the company in 2007 and this is not a biography, but in between then, my husband and I both were married, divorced. I met my husband. Um, this is another whole thing. I was single for 10 years. We met and we were married in 90 days. God had business that needed to be done, obviously. Okay? So, the, he, we'll tell that story on another conference. But, so I met my husband, and he is this brilliant... Now, at this time, um, I had formed the company, so it had almost been three years, and we were in, uh, I was in four states at that time. And so I find out Stuart is just like this entrepreneurial, in my mind, genius. Like, you know, he had all these businesses. He had, which I didn't know when I met him. He was in pursuit of me, like, seriously. <laughs> He told me he wanted to marry me in two weeks. And I say we had a long courtship and we were married in 90 days. So he obviously got what he wanted. But anyway, he had all these businesses. He had cattle. He had lumber. He had, you know, all these shopping centers all across the United States. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he knows what he is doing. And so the first thing I said, because he had been sitting for two years, he, the Lord sent him to seminary. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he sent you here for me. This is so good. Do you want to come in business and join beside me? And he said, no. And I was so crushed. I thought, I cannot believe that you know all of this and you're not going to come help me. But the one thing that he said to me, he said, the Lord told me he wants you to know that you can do this with him and that you don't give me the credit for your success. Because the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If Stuart would have came along beside me and said, okay, do this, 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 and I would have let him gladly, happily, I would have really been patting Stuart on the back. But instead, he waited until he know, knew, no, you can do this because Jesus has equipped you. Now, the first thing that he actually challenged me this is my very first thing. Before he ever 
came along my side was he said, you know what you really need to do? You need to get evangelists for salespeople. And I thought, you're brilliant in your business, but that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I said, salespeople are motivated for money. They are not going to be motivated to... I just thought that was just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. He also really challenged me in the fact that business and ministry are like peanut butter and jelly. They go together. Business is ministry, and ministry is business. There is no separation. None. Zero. And that's something that I had realized, and maybe some of you do this, maybe you have, like I did, business and ministry in compartments. So I, would, I loved the Lord with all my heart. And by the way, just to back up, I was raised a Catholic at 21, that hunger. I did get filled with the Holy Spirit and without anybody leading me to the Holy Spirit, I just had, I turned on the AM radio. Guess who came up? Have you ever heard of R.W. Schambach? And I heard him and I didn't even know anything about it. And he was talking about speaking in tongues and all this. And I thought, I don't know what that is, but I want it. He had a tent meeting in Beaumont, Texas. I took my little, whatever I had, 1974 Plymouth Dust or something like that. Something crazy they don't make anymore. Drove all the way to Beaumont. I was so excited. I was there three hours early and on the front row of Brother Shambach's meeting. Laid hands on me, went out in the spirit, and I was never the same since. So I said all that to say the spirit of God and the anointing was in me all this time, but I still didn't understand it right? I still didn't have confidence in myself. And so I would get up in the morning and I would compartmentalize everything. I would get up at that time, 5 a.m. Now I'm married. I have to get up at 4 a.m. because he challenges you in everything with excellence. So I got up at 5 a.m. I would read the word. I would pray, Lord, help me with my day. And then I would journal. I would do everything. And I'd stick my Bible in the little thing. I'd run to work and I'm like, do everything for work. And I would work to my very best of my ability and finish work, go home. Lord, how did I do? I just had it all separated. And Stuart was like, no, you don't do that. You bring it into work. So that's what we're here. That is our background to kind of let you know. So one thing I want, Pastor Justin, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, he is preaching our message. But the anointing, this is what I say. The anointing is to enhance the gifts you already have. It enhances your natural gifts. You already have the gifts of what you're going to do. You're already equipped with it. That's what's going to enhance your gifts, right? So what about uh, David? He was naturally gifted to be a shepherd, right? He, he probably thought there was nothing significant, but here's the thing. God has already placed that. He was anointed to do the job that God had called him. He was gifted. He was gifted to fight a lion. He was gifted to fight a bear. But guess what happened when that anointing came? He was gifted to kill Goliath, right? So remember this, y'all's gifts, the gifts that you have, they're like muscles. You have them. You may not see them, but you have them, right? You have to develop them. And the more you exercise in your gifts the more developed they become, the stronger that anointing comes. So one of the things that um, we have learned in business is this, that 
the anointing in you is greater than any other obstacle that you can have that might come against you. It's greater than the obstacle of not having the finances you think you need. It's greater than the obstacle of not being able to um, be equipped to know what to do. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Greater is the anointing that is in you, which is what? The anointed and his anointing than any other thing that can come against you, period. So turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm anointed. That's right. So if you're saved, which you are, then you are absolutely anointed. So one thing I wanted to say, and then I'm going to turn it over to Stuart, is what you think ministry looks like and what you think business looks like is not always the way it is. Because I was thinking when Pastor Justin said this morning that he's like, no, I'm going to be an evangelist. I mean, no, what was a, a missionary? I'm going to be a missionary. Well, interestingly enough, after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I didn't want to do business. I was like, I want to go into full-time ministry. I would cry I wanted to be in ministry so bad. I didn't even really know what that meant, but I knew that's what I wanted, just like Pastor Justin. I wanted to be in full-time ministry. When I met my husband, I was like, I want to be in full-time ministry. He's like, you are in full-time ministry. I'm like, no, I'm in business. No, you're in ministry. I just couldn't get it through my head, but he was going to beat it in my head. So what I'm saying is that it's not always what you think it looks like. Y'all know the story as far as when David, the shepherd, he's out in the field and he's a shepherd and Samuel's going to anoint the next king. And the one thing that I love about this story is that, and I'm paraphrasing all this, but before he went out, God said, by the way, Samuel, don't you go and judge by what you think a king should look like. You don't look at a stature. You don't look at what you think this kingly role is going to be because I've already put everything on the inside of him. I've already equipped him, and I'm looking at his heart, right? And so when, when, he go, when Samuel goes, he already knows the Lord's going to tell him because he already has him named. And you know that all these people, all his sons thought they were the one. They probably had their best attire going. They were in their best posture. And Samuel gets there and he's like, no, it's not this one, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. Goes through every one of them. Do you not have any other son? Well, and now I'm paraphrasing, I do have one, but I'm sure you're not going to be interested in him. He's in the workforce. He's over there at the bank. He's over there at Tom Thumb. He's over there as an accountant. He's over there as a political figure. He's in the field with the shepherds. And what does Samuel say? Go get him, for we will not sit down until you bring him. I wonder how many people right now that are in the workforce, that the people who don't go to church, who are never maybe going to go to church, are waiting for somebody in the, the, the marketplace to stand up and say, this is the way it is. This represents God. It's not going to be what you say or what you preach. It's what you demonstrate and what you say that they're going to be watching. So we have just kind of given you a little background, and you're going to be thrilled to know, yes, we are going to now tell you the basic principles, how you do this, and what it really looks like. So I'm going to turn this over to Stuart. So one of the things on anointing before, before we kind of move on to those other topics is really to understand 
when you receive the Holy Spirit and that power that Pastor Justin talked about this morning, it reminds me of uh, the scripture in Daniel, Daniel 6, uh, or Dan, yeah, Daniel 6, I think, maybe it's Daniel 3, I don't remember, but anyway, it's so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we know the story in Daniel, actually it's 128 now that I remember it, uh, Daniel 128, but at, at any rate, am I right? I'm not, I don't, I don't, you've got it. Um, I'll let you know later, but it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were captured slaves, right? Everybody knows that. So King Nebuchadnezzar, who is obviously the most powerful person in the world, took Jerusalem. Any time in those days they took slaves, they are always what they considered to be the best, but they also made sure that they weren't going to reproduce. They also made sure that if they were going to be around any other of the king's female concubines or whatever, that wasn't going to be something that a seed was passed. doesn't mention that in the Bible, but in doing history checks, you guys can check that out. So these four boys were now slaves. They had to do things completely different. They were taught how to do things new that they didn't know how to do. And yet in Daniel, it says that they were ten times better than anybody else that Nebuchadnezzar had. How is that possible, guys? What does that mean today with the blood of Jesus Christ? How much more do we have on the power of the anointing to take this to another level? Why are we laying down? Let me ask you this much. How many of you guys pray for your children or grandchildren? Oh God, please protect them. How about if we turn that around and say, unleash these warriors, God. Go take that ground. Go teach them how to have every demon in hell screaming once their feet hit the ground. We need to flip this whole idea that we can't do things. Oh, it's the politics. Oh, it's this. We are on a minimum ten times better, but we know because of the blood of Jesus, Jesus said this, look, not only are you going to do what I did, you're going to do greater things, right? Well, I hadn't yet walked on water. I do want to do that. I've done a number of the other things, but... I still want to do that, a little moonwalk. <laughs> so I think, yeah, Lake Michigan, I might get poisoned. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any one of us understands all of that power, but what we do need to do is stretch ourselves. We need to lean into the fact that, look, there is nothing but the Word of God. That's the truth that we need to walk in. And we're not telling a personal story to say, look, I'm going to give you all five steps and it's going to work for you every time. I know, pay me $200 a month and I'll give you coaching. I know all of this is popular. But the truth is there's not a better way to walk this out than the Word of God. And all we need to do is make sure that that's the most important thing in our lives is Jesus and what He has done for us. And I promise you, people are going to come from all over handing out things that you never expected, calling you to places that you never knew you were going to be. And what we're trying to get across just in our backgrounds, we are the most unlikely candidates for God to do anything with. And if He'll do it for us, what does the Bible say, guys? He's no respecter of people, right? So I'm going to tell you, for us, we are extremely blessed. We look at this as as a platform. Uh, Part of what we want to kind of go over is 
we mentioned the benefit link and we want to talk about what we really do and how we do it. Uh, but I do want to give you three principles that you're going to have regardless of the business that you want to be in. And actually, if you're an employee, look for these three things in the business that you have. First is service. What, what is the service that you're going to provide? What did Jesus come to this world to do? And what did he say? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? That's right. So we know that service is the most important thing. So if you're going to be starting a business, what is the service? What is it that you're going to do that's going to be a service? Well, I'm just making a widget. But what does that widget do? How does that meet a need? What is the service provided from that? And it works a number of different ways. It isn't just about products and services. It's more a function of what is your heart? What are you trying to do this for? I mean, there are businesses out there that try to take advantage of people, and that's their service, right? Well, we know where that comes from. Clearly, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making sure that you understand what that is. The second part is, what's the benefit? What is the benefit for the customer? What do they get out of this? What does the widget actually do? Well, it makes my life easier. I don't have to answer my phone anymore. I don't have whatever it is that that benefit to that person happens to be. But better yet, if you're an employee, what's the benefit for you working at that company? You've got to look at how a company decides that they want to go ahead and handle all of these things. The service side, what is the service going to be? What is the benefit? And better yet, beyond that, what benefits can you receive as an owner from your customers? What perhaps is the best benefit that you could ever hear from a customer? Anybody that has a business want to give me an idea what that is? A referral. That's probably the best because what is he saying? He's saying that not only do you do a good job, but you're the only person I do business with. Which means that that has now caused that level of trust and influence to go to a, a higher level. All that this marketplace really is is about influence. What do we want to do? How are we? It's like trying to buy a car from somebody that rides a bike. What the heck do they know? Are we going to listen to information from them? We need to be in a position to understand this is how the Bible is going to teach us. We're going to be able to see. We want to make this so complicated. And like I said, we have so many things. We have life coaches and we have all these seminars that we can go to. And we have social media that tells us, look, get on YouTube. You can watch a video. It's simpler than that, guys. I mean, we can boil it down to the Word of God, and we know what to do at that point in time. And as Pastor Justin said this morning, if you don't know what to do, he's going to tug on you. you got no choice. Once you decided to, to be in the Holy Spirit, that's the way he works. Now, he is a gentleman, but can I tell you, you know when you're out of line? It's not condemnation. What is it? Conviction. There we go. So the last one's profit. Profit is something that you have to have, right? You've got to be able to make money to be able to get along in this world. Is there anywhere in the Bible, I remember, uh, Eric, you had a scripture, John 10.10. 10. What does it say? And? Life more abundantly. Does that include? Profit? So he wants us to be profitable? Am I, am I right interpreting that? Can we just stop at that point? Understanding there's not a business that's out there that someone whose heart is turned to Jesus 
that he wants to go ahead and say, look, I'm going to teach you a lesson by failing. That's not what he's going to do, guys. He is going to ask you to take a step. And can I tell you, sometimes this is what it feels like. Is there anything under there? Am I going to make it? He wants us to trust him. If we want to inherit, as I told you earlier, those 7,000 promises, we don't get to inherit those because, hey, I read the Bible. I've got just about every scripture memorized, even the 7,000 promises. That's not going to matter to what God is trying to do in our hearts, guys. What do we want to do? We want to prove to him, look, this is how the business is going to be run. Why? Because the world is looking to us. The world needs us right now. And we know that. But instead of shying back and saying we have all of these obstacles, all of these things that are working against us, we need to be, as the church, as the body of Christ, because see, the church is no different in business as it is in the church. Everybody is important. There's something that we are doing. And I want to make sure that we understand as we go forward, he's not going to hold back profit. He's going to multiply. You want to know why? Because he doesn't know how to do anything but that. Can you find anywhere where he adds, subtracts, or divides? No, he only multiplies. So we either accept his word and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm going to walk everything. But sometimes I will tell you, we want to go ahead and justify in our mind, well, gosh, Mark Zuckerberg is just so much smarter than I am. Can I tell you, it wasn't even his idea? Come on, we are, we are stuck in this loop where we don't think we're good enough, and we have something that the world even says is ten times better. And we know it's even more than ten times better. What we have to do is grasp that and say we're not going to be held back. I was going to interject when he was talking about profit. One of the things, there's a very controversial subject among the world and Christians about wealth. You know, they have this image that a humble Christian shouldn't have money. And it was just, was it last week, baby? I mean, it was just last week. I was in my alone time. I'm actually writing almost through next week with the second book. And by the way, that book is not just a devotion like what you would think. It is a little bit more unique. It is based around personal business and it's got me in there too it's got a lot of him in there (laughs) Uh, and so I was writing the second book and I was writing on the topic of greed and the Lord has never said this before but he said where greed is concerned you know when when people say no I'm a Christian I I I don't I'll challenge people you know you want to go higher oh no I've gotten more than enough I don't want to be greedy you know we're doing just fine well the Lord spoke to me as I was writing he said whether somebody wants just enough for self or all for self it is still greed and I was like wow let me see if I said it exactly like he said it but um, I was that was new for me you know, I just, I knew that it was, I was raised on Brother Copeland, you know, from the time I got filled. I've been to 30, what now, 30, no, 38, 35 consecutive Believers Convention. You know, I knew about prosperity. I've never missed a meeting on it. So prospering was something, that was a promise 
I grabbed. I'm like, oh, we're supposed to be prosperous. Nobody told me different. I'm supposed to be prosperous. But wealth is meant for the Christians. It's not meant for the people that are in the mafia and the cartel. And, you know, look what they're doing with the money. We're supposed to either be funding the, the kingdom, advancing the kingdom, teaching the kingdom, being in a position, whether you're in political or whether you're in a teacher or whether you're working as a mechanic, you should be doing something for the kingdom. So the other thing about profit I wanted to interject is um, a few years ago, when every year we always discuss where we're going to give money, we, we tithe off of our business as well, not just our personal. And we also invest. And we were talking about where we're going to do our investments. And the Lord spoke very clearly to Stuart. I don't know how many years ago. Is this just like four or five, five years ago? He said, you're going to invest. You're going to continue to give because we actually give more than we make. I mean, we just do. And God just keeps multiplying it because he knows we're financing the kingdom. Can't outgive God. But he said, you are going to begin to invest in people. So if you're a business owner, one of the things that you have to do is invest in people. You know, I love what Brother Jesse Duplantis says. They say, hey, you know, if you'll give me some money, if you give me money, I'm, I have this great investment. I'll make sure you get your money back. And he's like, well, I don't want to get my money back. It's in my pocket right now. I don't want to give it to you and just get my money back. I want a return on my investment. So we always know when we invest in people that we're expecting a return on our investment. So I just wanted to interject that. And then the three things you don't want. My husband was saying the three things you have to have with business. And these are three things you absolutely do not want with business. If you can get the three things that you have to have and make sure that you go with the three things that you can't, you're going to get in the right direction. One is you cannot have complacency, period. You can't get to the point where success to you, you've arrived and that's good enough for you. You know, it's just like, oh, I've got enough. You can't have complacency. The other thing is comparison. This is something that is super hard. These are the three C's, okay? Complacency, comparison, and comfort. That's what the three you can't have. But comparison is so difficult because you want to compare yourself, even in ministry. You want to go, oh, well, they do this and they're funny or they're, you know, they just have this way they do it or in business it's like, well, you know, they do their business like that. No, because no two fingerprints are alike. God is going to give you creative and witty ideas for your business, for your what you do that's going to be different than anybody else's. And just take them. If you spend time with the Lord, He's going to give you these little ideas. And the other thing is just getting too comfortable. You know, that's another thing Stuart is absolutely fantastic at. He is just make sure you're comfortably uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> he is just so good at that. I mean, he... It's called stretching. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But one of the things, if you're an employee, and then I'm going to turn this over to him, but if you are not an employee, like a CEO, you own a company, in the hiring process, this is something that we let them know right on the front end. And, we'll, and we're going to take you through what we do in a day because it might shock you. But on the front end, when they come in, we'll say, listen, we want you to know we are a marketplace ministry. And some of them just kind of like, uh, they don't even know what that is. And, I, and then we'll say, so what we're saying is 
we are going to expect a level of excellence that you operate with. And we do things that might be a little bit uncomfortable for you. We pray every morning. You don't have to be of our same faith. But if you're not comfortable with this, you want to go ahead and walk out right now. I'm pretty forward, you know, as far as letting them know this is. So that way, you don't just say, okay, we have a marketplace ministry. You don't tell somebody. And then you get in, you start praying. They're like, what in the world? I did not sign up for this. You let them know on the front end. We pray with our clients. We, we want you to be invested in the people that you talk to. We let people know on the other side, if we have somebody in administration, the other side of that paperwork is somebody's life, right? In our business especially, we're, this is, they're getting insurance. And we work with people that are 65 to 100, you know, in that age bracket. How would you like it if you signed up for insurance and now your wife or husband or somebody suddenly is diagnosed with cancer and somebody goes, oh, I'm sorry, they forgot to process that and you don't have insurance. We let them know, hey, this is serious. On the other piece of this paperwork is somebody's life. And so we let them know that they're called to a level of integrity. We also tell them while they're on the phone, have your ear inclined and be listening because there's people that might need encouragement. And so, and I'm probably getting into too much right now as far as we're going to go through that, but I can't, okay. So, you know, when you, we're both leaders, so I don't know what to say. And we're trying to share a platform here. <laughs> I speak at women's conferences. He does men's conferences. And here we are together. <laughs> but we tell people, when they're on the phone, for example, and you hear somebody, and you can do this in your business. Now, here's the thing. If you don't own your own business, you're not free to do whatever you want. They may not like it that you're praying with people on the phone. So, But that doesn't mean, guys... You can't have a little journal and I'm going to, you know, when you hang up the phone that you can't pray for that person. You know, God does, there's no distance in the spirit, right? But we have that liberty. So we're in all 50 states and we encourage it. We, we have people that don't even come in and even understand how to pray. They don't even know the first thing about it. And we would always, uh, let me, let me, you want to tell that story about Randy? Or about Brennan? Well, we, just a couple of stories of people that we've hired. That yeah. As she was saying, look, you don't have to be a Christian, but what we have to understand is that if you are uncomfortable every morning with us saying a confession and praying, because we're going to all collectively, as a company, pray over these people that we talked to the, the day earlier. And trust me, there are a lot of problems out there. I mean, COVID did not make things easier. So we are called to go ahead and we tell people this all the time. Look, we need to make a difference in somebody's life. And whoever's on the other end of the phone, that's the most important person in your life right now. And you need to convince them that they are. Because they don't care what you know, they just want to know that you care. So how are you going to get that heart out to somebody? How are you going to make sure that they understand we really care? Mm-hmm. And not only do we really care, but we have seen, you know, so many miracles, and we're going to go through a couple of them, but, I mean, let me ask you this. What does the scripture say? Signs, wonders, and miracles follow who? How many of those things are you guys seeing? No, I'm going to call you out now. <laughs> you need to see all of them. You know, we think of signs as, God, give me a sign. I want to see a miracle. 
Guess what? What if you were the reason for a miracle to happen in somebody else's life and the only thing that you have to do is pray over that person? Is to ask God, you know what? This guy's going to lose his leg tomorrow, Lord. I want you to heal him. And he calls you the day of surgery and says, not only did I not lose my leg, I'm no longer a diabetic. Let how me, many, how let me many... add this. This was from somebody that worked for us. We're about to tell some miracles that happened weekly. But this is somebody that worked for us that really didn't have a very strong faith, you might say. And then suddenly his dad is in the 50s and is a diabetic and he lost the circulation in his leg. And so every morning that's one of the things we do is we gather in the circle first thing in the morning before we do anything. Same thing with my husband and I. First thing in the morning before we do anything. And I mean literally before we do anything. He gets up at 3. God love him. I get up at 4. He does his alone time at 4 a.m. when he wakes me up. The first thing we do is pray. Right then. Right then. Wrap my arms around him. We pray for about 20 minutes. We pray. As soon as our feet hit the ground, we know the enemy is going to be after us. We pray. So at work, the very first thing everybody knows, because we tell them in our interview, time is important. Eight o'clock sharp. You are in there ready. We have our meeting. We're going to pray. When we pray, the first thing we do is people all day long are looking for people that are listening that might need prayer. And if, if you're wondering how that looks, just so you know, because it is, we're, we're a marketplace ministry, but the people in Michigan that are calling about their insurance don't know that, right? I mean, come on. And so when we're calling, and when they call us, yeah, I'm trying to get insurance, blah, 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 this happened, well, let us go through, what, what is your situation, what prescriptions are you taking, we're helping with their prescription drugs, well, I'm taking this because, you know, my... I'm raising my grandchildren, or my son is in prison, my husband's on hospice. Now, we may have been on the phone for five minutes. They don't even know us from Adam. We stop and we say, you know what, before we go any further, I know this is going to sound crazy to you, but every morning at the benefit link, the first thing we do is we ask, is there anybody you spoke to yesterday or talked to that we need to lift up in prayer? The second thing we do is we get permission. There are lawsuits out there. With your permission, would you mind if we put you, lifted you up in prayer tomorrow? Do you know never, ever, ever has anybody said, don't you dare pray for me. People who don't believe when death is at their door, they are suddenly believing anybody that wants to believe with them. Right? Not only that, you'll be on the phone. I'm not kidding you. That's what I'm saying about the gifts and the anointing getting stronger and stronger on you because God's like, okay, I can trust this person. It just draws out you have people after five minutes, grown men, that'll just start crying. Crying. You know, I had one man I was talking to. He was about 68 years old. We'd been on the phone about 10 minutes, and he said, I need to get insurance. He said, you know, uh, my, my wife just died. He was very bitter. He was very angry. He felt like he didn't really have anything left. 
And let me just tell you, and we tell people this, that scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, that is not for people just graduating for college. As long as you're breathing, God still has a future. It doesn't matter that you lost your, I don't tell them, it doesn't matter you lost your spouse, but I'm saying, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter if you lost your home, you lost your job, you lost your finances, you lost your position. God still has a future, and it's good. And so we, the first thing I told him, I said, you know what? I, and you get more bold, guys. The anointing causes you to be bold. You have to exercise it. But it just starts becoming so natural, you don't even think twice about it. And I said, you know what? I just want you to know, I know this is really difficult for you, and I know this is going to sound so crazy. Believe me, they want hope, guys. I said, but God still has a future for you. There's a scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11, and I said it, and he started crying. And he said, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. He said, my, when I was a little boy, my dad was a pastor. Now, this is all in 10 or 15 minutes of a conversation for somebody who calls for insurance. We're not even talking about insurance. They don't even, they're taken by surprise. God takes you by surprise, right? He hooks you right when you don't think it's going to happen. And he said, and my dad died, and I've been mad at God ever since. And he said, but you know, hearing you talk, you sounded like my dad did. And it just reminded me that God's trying to get my attention. And so these are the kind of things. Now, if we really feel led, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. But if we feel led, we'll just say, can we pray with you right now? And we don't hold back. I mean, we just think this may be the only time they're going to get prayed on. They gave us permission and we just go to town on it. But you probably thought I forgot, and I didn't. I'm turning back over. So the man with the invitation, he worked for us. His son worked for us, and he wasn't really strong in his faith. I don't even know if he believed anything. But as we circle around every morning, we always have a big circle. We say, does anybody have anybody you need to lift up in prayer? And by the way, just so you know, we're not saying this lightly like we do this, and maybe once a week somebody has. It takes us close to 25 minutes every single morning because we probably have anywhere from on the low end 15 prayer requests on up to 20, 25 to the point where, hey, let's pray. Wait, I still haven't got mine. I mean, they're a lot. And this particular day, Gabe said, well, his name was Gabe. He said, can y'all pray for my father because he is in the hospital and he's going to have to have his leg amputated. Now, remember when my husband was talking about the benefit? This is a benefit. Gabe no longer works for us, but he took that with him. His dad didn't lose his leg. His dad, the day of the operation, they came in and they go, you know what? I think there's a little circulation down there. We might want to see what's going on here. And when you start having things like that happen, our son has on his voicemail still, and this has been years ago, he saved it because somebody that it was, uh, was it, yeah, had congestive. Yeah, yeah, that this what it was. He had congestive heart failure. He was going to have to have heart surgery. Uh, this particular gentleman was a Catholic. My son, this is somebody he did pray over. He said, "I know this is going to sound crazy, but he goes, Can, we're just going to pray right now that God's going to take care of this situation." We'll quote him scripture. Isaiah fifty three five says, "He was wounded for your transgressions. He bore your sickness and disease, and we're going to believe that he." you are healed. 
the man ended up calling back three weeks later, and to this day, this has probably been 10 years ago, my son saved it on his phone, and said, this is such and such. He goes, you're never going to believe this. I didn't have to have heart surgery. Your prayer worked. And it wasn't his prayer, it was God, right? So I'm just telling you, you can use your business as a platform. Now, you can't just go and just... You have to develop these things, right? But that's that's think, one of the I, things. I think, I think it's one of the hearts that, that you have to have that idea. And, and, and it is something that we promote. Probably one of the best examples that I give people, well, there's probably two on opposite ends. One is that what happens when an atheist calls? I mean, and, and have we ever had that? And of course we have. Once. And he got on the phone and said, look, I'm a born-again atheist. You are never going to convince me but it's downright refreshing doing business with you. He got put on hold, and he had Laura's story on there. Well, just, just the music, just everything that was about, the level of excellence, guys, that we operate at, the integrity that we operate at, the belief that there's nobody that can do it better because we are at least ten times better than this world. They know that. They feel that. This is on the phone. This isn't somebody you're seeing face-to-face. They know that. They can tell. The other one that's probably my favorite story is that early on I had hired somebody that really didn't know the Lord. I, I got the, the opportunity to baptize him. He came to know, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe he was six months into the Lord. Usually when he would get a phone call that he knew he needed to pray for somebody, he'd come get me, but I wasn't available. And so this gentleman just said, you know, Yes, you're exactly right. I, I definitely need this insurance, but as soon as I hang up the phone, I'm going to blow my brains out. And so this young man said, Sir, I don't understand your pain. I, I, I don't even know that I know what to say, but I do know somebody that cares and loves you that I'd like to introduce you to. And he led him to Jesus. And those are the things that, guys, what is that reward? What is that that we're looking for? And I tell people when we hire him, I said, you're going to get paid well, and it will be a, a job that will be intense, and you'll enjoy. But the biggest reward that you're going to get is hearing these clients say, I didn't know what I was going to do until you called. And this happens every day for us. It's not like once in a while. We hear it all the time. And yet, can we, can we replicate that on any given level? And the answer is yes. I don't care if you're an employee and you know in your next cubicle somebody's having a bad day. You know what? You don't have to do, hey, I'm going to go ahead and preach the entire Bible to you. You don't have to do that thing. You can just, sometimes a smile, kind word, or a gentle touch, those are going to be just enough for them to know that you care. Because that anointing is going to come out. And they're going to know that. The other thing, too, is for business owners, or even if you're not a business owner, that you just don't think of when you're replicating things kingdom ways, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all other things will be added. All other things will be added. Everything. Every need you have. But we're mentoring people. So one of... It never occurred to me that even believers, people who love the Lord, maybe don't understand the authority in prayer. 
And it didn't hit me until this year, until we, because Stuart and I, we pretty much, myself or Stuart or our son, you know, we'll pray over the meeting. We never want people to feel like we're calling them out and they don't want to come because they may have to pray. But we usually always pray. And um, one day after the meeting, a girl that is very, very strong in her faith, that has been brought up in the faith, her grandmother, her mother, I mean, it's in generations. She said, I just want you to know, she said, it means so much for me to hear y'all pray. She goes, I didn't, I've never prayed with that kind of authority. She said, I've never heard anybody pray like that. So keep in mind, prayer is very private for some people. And especially, maybe they're not in church. So they don't, like me, when I was a Catholic, I didn't know how to pray. I, I, I did, but I didn't know really anything about authority. I kind of would beg or, you know, I just didn't know how to do it. So not only are we praying, we're mentoring people. And the other thing is, and we tell our people this, don't be afraid to tell them. You know, we do, as I said, expect a return because if we didn't want to return on our investment, Stuart and I would just retire and enjoy our life, right? There is no There's retirement. A, that's what I was going to say. But of course, my <laughs> husband reminded me there is no retirement in the Bible. Doesn't show up in so I don't get to do anything if, if but Caleb stretched. was 80 years old and his decision was to take the toughest land with the biggest giants, I'm not there yet. I'm coming though. So I'm not giving up. And his eyes didn't grow dim. Trust me, we're, we aren't anywhere close. So one other thing, the, we do a confession every morning as well. Now these little let bitty me, practical me, steps. One, one other thing, we've mentioned hiring people. We do hire all kinds of people, meaning they don't have to be Christians. And we tell them that. We told you that on the front end. We've had Muslim work there. We've had, we do still have a Jewish person that works there. We believe one day is going to get saved. But just as an instance, so... We put zero pressure on these people. They don't have to do anything. We don't tell them. We just said, look, you're, if you're uncomfortable, this is not going to be a place for you. We let them know on the front end. But as, as an example, this, this young Muslim gentleman was with us probably about a year. And then one day... His name was Sabbath. Yeah, Sabbath, which I thought was an interesting name yeah. anyway. Um, and so he, he, he raised his hand one day and said, could we, could we please pray for my uncle? He's really sick. And we celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Guys, we don't Nobody know moved. what we're they're like... looking for. How consistent? <laughs> how consistent are we in this walk? Do we just do it one time because we said we did it? Or we do it every time? That excellence, guys, that I keep speaking of in Daniel, look, we're ten times more excellent. Let's make sure that we understand there's a responsibility that goes with that. We want to show the world who we are, not tell them. And I think, uh, who was it? Was it St. Francis? I can't remember. Saint. He said, look, we need to be preaching the gospel at all times. And when, yes, CC, yes, St. Francis, thank you. Um, we, we need to be preaching the gospel at all times. And when necessary, there you go. But keep in mind, too, we don't want to paint this picture that, you know, you go around and all day long everybody's praying in the Spirit. And it is a job. They're working. But we're teaching them how to walk it out. And so 
when we get at, when they start the day, they start it in prayer. When they have situations, I mean, we do expect excellence. And I mean excellence, meaning everybody does the same thing the same way. They ha- they, we expect them to be on time, not at 8.05, 8 o'clock. We expect when they're there that they're working. We don't want them on the phone texting. We expect excellence. But when they have problems, we'll say, you know, let's turn that over to the Lord. We're going to pray about this. One of the other things we do is we parallel in the morning. We do a confession. And it's like Stuart said, this isn't just every once in a while because nobody is mentored or nobody can really grab onto anything that you just do every it's like disciplining your kids part of the time right if you give them a spanking once every two months or once a week versus it's it's just not going to work but we have a confession and we parallel it a lot with you know even how you know brother jerry at the end of the year always has the word from the lord and so we pray and we have one every year Every morning, without fail, every employee reads it out loud as a team. And I'm going to read ours so you'll understand what what we do. And every year, whatever the confession is, we watch this. This year has been the open doors and closed doors. And one of the people go, can we have a different one next year? God has closed so many doors for me this year. I'm I'm (laughs) ready. I'm serious. They start seeing it, don't they? Everybody. And it'll just be like a, you know, when it was the year of this year, we've had so many doors open for people's homes. You know, we've had four people that had just bought homes. We have another one that's just closing on a home. We, but they, they recognize it. Even the people that aren't believers are going, wow, there must be something to this. We are seeing something happen. So this year... If I don't trip over this, this year our confession, and we say this every single morning, um, I, I do know it by heart, but I don't want to try to do it by heart because I'll mess it up. Uh, it goes like this. Now, every year this first sentence is always there. And these at the end, we put where the scriptures are and where they are in the Bible so they don't think we're just making this stuff up. But it goes as full-fledged citizens of heaven with all the rights and privileges thereof, we loose and receive all of heaven's resources on our behalf and our client's behalf today. Now, let's just stop right there. Let's just say you're brand new on the job and they don't know your marketplace ministry. As full-fledged citizens of heaven, they would be going, what in the world am I in, right? So we kind of give them this before they leave. It's laminated. They know what they're walking into, okay? So then it goes on. 2022 is a year of God's open hand. We will experience a great financial wave in business and personal affairs that exceeds our wildest imaginations. We will walk, we will allow God to close doors that need to be closed and walk into doors that have been opened by God himself. We will have God-inspired ideas and divine connections that will catapult our platform as well as our individual positions. We will trust God with each new idea as he opens new doors and turns them into magnificent fortunes. I usually shout on that part. Get ready. A great and effective door has already been opened and it will flow on into next year with astounding results. We will keep God first as the TBL team experiences an outpouring of financial blessings like never before. The benefit link will be the Amazon of insurance. We will think big, be big, give big, live big. All things are possible with God. Our marketplace ministry, and everybody claps, will make a difference. 
one life at a time. We believe and receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody says this. Everybody says this. Not once a week, not once a month, every single day. And they kind of get excited. We have t-shirts that say, be big, think big, live big, give big. You have to, out. if you can think it, it's, <laughs> there you go. If you can think it, it's too big for, it's too little for God. So don't dream. If you want to open a business, do it. But let me just give you a little clue. It's called faith. What is Matthew 17, 20 say, faith is the size of a mustard seed, will move mountains, all things are possible with God. But the Israelites had to first step in the water before the Red Sea parted, right? You have to just take a step. So if you want to own your own business, take a step. If you own your own business and you aren't running it as far as kingdom-minded all the way, you love the Lord and you're praying, but really you're not operating with kingdom finances, I mean with kingdom principles, that means excellence in every level. You have to do your taxes. You have to do them on time. You can't cheat. You've got to do everything with integrity because the seed you sow will be the seed that comes back if you don't do it the right way. Isn't that right? Amen. Yes. So, obviously, we didn't get through all the issues. There's a number of them. I mean, we could talk about hiring people and when things don't go well. And, you know, look, I remind people all the time, Jesus couldn't even hire 12 disciples, right? (laughs) So, I think we have a commonality. We wanted to at least touch on all of this. There's not one person here. I do want to say, I mean, even if you happen to be an employee and... You know, maybe I think I'm in the marketplace, maybe I'm not. Let me just give you a scenario in the Bible that I think sometimes in between the lines there's much more that God is saying than what's actually written in the Word. And sometimes, you know, getting a little historical perspective is good to kind of look at. And if we look at in the Bible where it talks about one of Jesus' biggest miracles, when he took the two fishes and the five loaves from the little boy, and then turned this into a huge feast for everybody, leaving 12 baskets over, right? Well, a couple of questions. First of all, we know that since it was 5,000 people, it was really more like, what, 20,000 people? Because they didn't count children and women. Um, what, what, what was the little boy doing there by himself? Do you know that they walked a long way? Do you have anybody here other than me when I was a kid that would have done something crazy like that on my own? I can't think of anybody that would send their child to follow whoever it was with 20,000 people. Crazy, right? The second part of that is, who made him that lunch? I'll tell you what. I think... It was a single mom. There was a slave. That's it. This is our only chance. Jesus is our only chance. Don't you let him out of your sight. I'm going to give you something to eat. Follow him. I don't want you to be under this bondage. He is our Savior. So I'm going to ask you, in Isaiah 6... If you guys remember, this is when Isaiah is having this dream 
of being in the throne room of God. And he realizes how unclean he is, how horrible he is as a person, that his lips could never speak anything but sin. And the angels touch a coal to his lips, and all of a sudden now he realizes, and yet God is looking, whom can I send that will speak for me? Who is going to speak for me? Who can I send? And what does Isaiah say? Here I am, Lord. Send me. So we'd like to send you out. And if you want us to lay hands on you so you can be anointed with this marketplace ministry, we would love for you guys to come forward and let us lay our hands on you and give you an impartation of true marketplace ministry that that comes truly from the Holy Spirit, from the heart, that you are now being sent out into this world. So if anybody wants to come forward, I'd ask you to do that right now.